Welcome back to Podcast 55 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us the Osbreakers. Follow us on social media slash the Osbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by Circa Sports in Las Vegas. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. These contests have two ways to win and no rake. The Circus Sports Millions has quarterly payouts and 100% payback. Play Circus Survivor and select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas, play from anywhere, visit CircusSports.com. If you'd like to support the Oddsbreakers and benefit from us, please visit theoddsbreakers.com, click shop, and become a member. Pick any of our winning handicappers, get their packages and plays before the line moves. You can also support us on Patreon.com, and if nothing else, please Visit the Oddsbreakers and become a free picks newsletter subscriber. My friends, I am back from a massive weekend in Las Vegas. The Circa Sports Hotel and Casino threw a mega bash the whole weekend for us handicappers, media people, as well as people getting in the Survivor and the Circa Millions contest. Just a phenomenal experience that Derek put on. For all of us, I myself personally got to meet some people that I've been following in the sports betting industry for a very long time. People I've always looked up to. I had the opportunity to put on a great show from the Circus Sportsbook, talking about the contests, interviewing some of the best people that I know that's been in these contests before. I was able to pick the brains out of many of the sharpest handicappers in this country. Got to meet some former NFL players, Sean King, Brian Urlacher. It was just a phenomenal weekend, all thanks to Derek Stevens, Mike Palm, and just the great people over at Circus Sports that put this on. This contest is the best, this Millions contest, as well as the Survivor contest. Nothing comes close to what the Circa has put on for all of us. Just nothing but class when it comes to the Circa Hotel and Casino. Huge shout out to those guys for just making a phenomenal weekend and bringing a ton of hope to players and sports bettors everywhere to win some life-changing money. I also want to give a shout out to some of you guys that listened to the show that came up to me at the casino or at the pool or actually at the mega bar as well that listened to this show. Very humbled by that. I'm just like everybody else. I'm just like you guys. You know, we sit there in sports bet. We like talking about sports betting. We like thinking about sports betting. We're just a nice little tight community together. You know, it's not that big, but it's like a niche community that we have with each other. I think it's so awesome you guys came up and said hi. Brad from Iowa came down as well, said hi. A longtime supporter and premium member of the Odds Breakers. Very, very just honored to meet him. Big Ten fan. Just so extremely grateful for the experiences that I had and got to make a lot of new friends and hang out with some old friends during my time over at Circa from Thursday to Sunday. From the sports betting side of things, NFL preseason finished out quite well. We went 11-5 and this preseason. One of our final plays was a parlay with Baltimore and the Indianapolis Colts. 
felt good about that one coming in, but Baltimore don't they didn't cover their big spread. Remember when I put out these numbers on these coaches, anything over like two or three points, heck, sometimes even one and a half, I might be more inclined to take the money line on these plays. But also when there's some, you know, plus money on the other side, and I think a team has a good chance to win, I will definitely have a decent sized sprinkle on that money line as well as taking the spread. You know, preseason, what from what we learned or what you should have learned this year is that coaches that have motivation are looking to win games. They're not necessarily looking to blow other teams out. We've also learned that just because you have motivation to win, um, it doesn't mean it's going to work. Like Pete Carroll was a great preseason coach, and I believe I have one of my L's on Pete Carroll this preseason, but they became a pretty big favorite. I stayed away from that game completely, and they still lost that final game. And Pete Carroll was coming into this week, or this preseason even, as a very winning preseason coach but then you look at Mike Tomlin from the Steelers still has a pretty good team was able to go undefeated in the preseason himself right so I thought that was really interesting just because your coach has motivation doesn't mean your players are all that good did I make some power rating changes just a very little bit in the preseason you still have to take the preseason with a grain of salt and make your decision on if something really factors into the NFL season, I, I think I've soured a little bit more on the Patriots. I've adjusted them down a little bit. And to be completely honest with you, I've actually adjusted the Bears up a little bit. I know they're playing against a lot of scrubs when they won in the preseason, but Justin Fields looks a heck of a lot better than he did last year. And I think the Bears have a shot to make some noise. You know, possibly might be a good dog to bet on. Just depends upon what situation that we get. But um, those are just a couple examples of some slight changes I've made. I, I had to downgrade Seattle even a little bit lower. This team is nearing Houston Texans category. Maybe they are worse than Houston. actually have them as the two worst teams in football. But uh, some of those slight changes are what we have to make, even though you shouldn't take preseason completely seriously i mean just remember when the lions went 0 and 16 they went 4 and 0 in the preseason and that's something that people say all the time i'm sure you've heard that a hundred times but it, it is true you have to make sure you're making your decisions not only based upon the starters you're also making decisions a little bit based upon the depth now coming in from a power rating standpoint i rarely care about the depth unless they have nobody to switch out when their defensive line is tired unless they have nobody to switch out when their running back's tired, like the second running back is a big step down. But in general, you don't adjust your power rating until later when they start losing players to injury. You know, So just kind of keep that in mind as well. The bad side of things, my college football started out bad. I went 0-4 in college football. Now, I know it's early in everything, and there's some misleading scores, which we're going to get into because we are finally getting into our routine where we cover box score analysis and other talking points coming in to make you a better handicapper for the next week because that's what we're always trying to do. The show's about sports betting, about handicapping where lines should be and the reason we make bets, right? So I'm always going to have the box score analysis, misleading final scores, and spots 
betting spots, look ahead spots, let down spots, spots on a short week. So we're going to give you all that good stuff starting this week in college football as well as getting into the NFL as well. There's a little segment I'm going to be adding on Mondays besides the mailbag. So if you have any questions, please feel free to email us at info at the oddsbreakers.com. And I will try to get to that question for the week. Drew actually asked me a question about the Dallas Tampa under going down a little bit. I actually liked the over a couple weeks ago, but there's some issues with both teams' offensive lines. Obviously, Smith was lost for Dallas, and they're a little bit banged up on the offensive line. While Tampa just lost Robert Hainsey and Nick Leverett. So we're not sure if any of them would have start, but there is a depth issue, I think, in my opinion. I still haven't received a final report on them, but it doesn't seem like the Bucks are that upset about it or that concerned about it. But still, I mean, the under took a hit. And part of that is because of Brady's issues. You know, Brady coming in really late to preseason, probably going through some stuff at home, but he was able to hopefully fix that for Tampa Bay fans. But this number dropped a little bit. I still think it's a little bit low, just based upon how these teams play uh, offensive football. Brady threw for over 300, or sorry, 5,300 yards last year. And Dallas's defense is a gambling defense. They try to jump routes, and if they get burned, they'll get burned. You know, they'll also get some interceptions and possibly some pick six if it works out for them. But very high variance type defense they run, and uh, uh, that just kind of points more towards the overs. I think these are two offensive teams more than they are defensive teams. So um, I still like the over a little bit. I just don't like it as much as when I took it at 52. This is one of the ones that got away from me to give me negative uh, closing line value. But on the other end of the spectrum, this is week one in the NFL. We don't want to get too excited here. I have about four plays. Three of them moved in my direction. Uh, obviously, the this one we just discussed didn't. But week one of the NFL, probably best to just kind of limp in and see what really happens and see what narratives hold out true. There's a couple lines I'm eyeing right now. Maybe there's going to be a play for subscribers. Maybe there's not. I just have to wait it out a little bit when I get more information to see if uh, it moves further in my favor. Not going to break my heart to not make a play I'm not sure of anyway. Going to do a little new segment as well here on this Monday show, for Tuesday morning that is. Going to do the good, the bad, and the ugly from the weekend. College football, the good. I mean, Vanderbilt actually beat a team that looked like they played Vanderbilt last week. Hawaii got destroyed by Vanderbilt. They came all the way to Hawaii and played them. That was actually one of my losses. I had a really good number at it at number 10, and I still lost that play. Thing dropped back down a bit. Was able to grab that whole number, but it still didn't matter because even though Hawaii started out well, he still got blown out by uh, 50 points or so. So for SEC fans, I would have to call that good because you're looking at the worst team in the SEC, and they're actually able to look somewhat formidable. Now, obviously, I'm not going to overreact being that it's Hawaii, but, uh, you know, not a bad start to the season for Vanderbilt. 
another thing that was good was North Texas taking care of UTEP. There might be a misleading final score on this one for our next segment, but North Texas looked good and started out a nice 1-0. and Being an away team, that's kind of hard to do. You know, not going to get too much into uh, Utah State-UConn. UConn covered that too easily, but UConn's, uh, I have to say, it's still, even though it's a loss, it's good for Jim Mora's new team. Utah State was a pretty good team last year, if you remember. Lots of upsets. And for the Big Ten, Illinois looked good against Wyoming. Won by about 32 points. You know, I watching that game, I thought that Wyoming uh, was even close to where they needed to be uh, against Illinois. The bad, well, you can say on the other side of the coin, Hawaii was terrible. <laughs> you know, getting blown out at home like that. And I know they have a brand new team and a brand new coach, but still. That was absolutely embarrassing. You should be able to play a little bit better than that at home. Apparently, Hawaii's team looks very, very thin. A lot of people say that a lot of FCS teams might be able to beat them this year. And even worse, I'm sure some Division threes might be able to as well. So that's pretty bad. Another team that didn't look that good was Western Kentucky against Austin P. You know, Western Kentucky was losing to them for a while, and Austin P really hung out in that game. Now... <laughs> What does that mean for Western Kentucky? I don't know. It's still way too early to make any decisions on that, but they did lose their offensive coordinator to uh, Texas Tech. And obviously, Bailey Zappi to the NFL on the Patriots, who just injured himself for the rest of the year. Now, the ugly, I think it's pretty simple to point this out. Nebraska fans, how can you feel about Scott Frost and him going for it while you have an 11-point lead in this game? And when I say going for it, not even like on fourth down, going for an onside kick, giving them perfect field position to get them back in the game, which actually happened. What a boneheaded mistake this guy has. I'm starting to realize this guy is nothing I thought of when he coached for Central Florida. Absolutely nothing. Blows my mind how stupid that was the very beginning of the year, especially when you had special teams issues last year. Unreal. You know, I mean, starting off the Big Ten like that in Dublin, you should have beat these guys. You should have played it correctly. Should have kicked that ball deep, but you didn't. And then Northwestern was better. Afterwards, Northwest, Northwestern had wide open spaces in the middle of that field. Also, the flat route was wide open with the running back. I mean, Halinski actually looked like a really good quarterback because it was Nebraska's defense. Absolutely terrible. Now, what do I say is that Northwestern is a better team than they were last year, and it was the sharp side, and that's one side that I had a decent number on, but it moved in my direction, and then it went away from me. So it was a bad play. I thought this was just the year it gets fixed. Absolutely mis big mistake that I made, but... In sports betting, you can't say that you're not going to bet on them again because there's going to be a situation maybe when they're a dog and then they're just going to play really well. It's going to happen with Nebraska because they have some talent over there. So as bad as that coach is, maybe you start thinking of them as, I cannot bet them as favorite, but maybe in a smelly dog situation like against a Michigan or something like that, they could show up. Because if you remember, they actually should have beat Michigan last year. 
Another ugly was New Mexico State and how that line went from 14s all the way down to seven, and they still didn't cover most of that. I, I got it early at 10 and a half. They lost by, was it 11 or 12? You know, that was brutal because there is a misleading final score. How the heck you do that at home against a brand new Nevada team that didn't return anybody? Five turnovers going for it when you could have covered many times with field goals. I mean, just an absolute brutal game for New Mexico State, and they smoked a lot of barrels. Yeah, 23-12 to 12 was the final score to this thing. So... Very, very disappointing for this team. Heck, Nevada only threw for 7 out of 12, 51 yards. 51 freaking yards Shane Illingworth threw for, and they still won this game. You know, they rushed for a total of about 179, but still. What a terrible game by Mich- by uh, New Mexico State Aggies here. Just awful. All right, my friends. Well, we have a great show for you today because I'm going to get into some misleading final scores, which is only two of them. I'm going to give you a free play for college football coming up week one that we didn't discuss yet. And then bringing in our fantasy guy, D-Nasty, to talk about running back share and split percentage. I think that's an important show that we have for you so you know how frequently you should be handcuffing your running backs or when a guy might be just worth drafting anyway, right? A guy that might be second string but might get a massive portion of the uh, the carries and might actually take over for next year. So I think that's a very important aspect to have. But as of right now, let's get into some college football misleading final scores from week zero. And there's only two of them. One I just mentioned, the ugly, New Mexico State outgained Nevada 303 to 257, yet lost 23 to 12, and that was because of that 5 to 0 turnover ratio and boneheaded mistakes in the red zone that got them. As a matter of fact, Nevada's such a fade still in Las Vegas that their seven point spread being favored against Texas State moved all the way to pick them. All the way to pick them. That's how convincing that win was for Nevada. UTEP now outgained North Texas 400 to 399 yards just by one yard, but lost 31 to 13 equal turnovers. Just bad efficiency for UTEP at home, making it tough on them to go over their season win total when you had that first loss against North Texas at home. Very brutal for UTEP. Glad we were on them last year and not this year so far. But people do overreact, so keep that in mind. Um, There's going to be a lot of overreaction after week one to week two, and there's going to be a ton of it in the NFL. Remember, the very next week is overreaction week, really, in both sports, so always keep that in mind. Here's something I'm not overreacting to. Penn State just passed the three and went to minus three and a half against Purdue, and I don't understand this line, and I'm playing Purdue plus three and a half here. Here's the deal here. Penn State lost a ton of production themselves. Did Purdue lose Bell? Sure. But Penn State lost Dotson. They lost a lot of key defensive contributors. And Sean Clifford doesn't rank as high as Aiden O'Connell as a passing quarterback. Right? Clifford can run a little bit. 
but Purdue at least returns six or seven starters on defense, 72% of their production. They should be able to maybe contain Penn State a little bit. And Penn State loses a lot more than that. They they rank 103rd in returning production on defense. They rank 51st on offense because of Clifford, a couple other guys, but only 103rd on defense. I mean, this is going to be a massive crowd in West Lafayette. You know, I did first game of the season, juices will be flowing. And you have Aiden O'Connell that his passer rating, his QBR, let's just say, was fifth last year. CJ Stroud first, Bryce Young second, Stetson Bennett third, Caleb Williams was actually fourth and only played a partial year, and Aiden O'Connell fifth in QBR for Purdue. That was higher than Cameron Rising from Utah. Higher than Malik Cunningham from Louisville. Higher than Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina and Kenny Pickett. And he's playing Clifford that ranked 45th. This spread should be Penn State minus two and a half just based upon their their recruits. But them coming in as a favorite on the road does not go bode well for me. Franklin is not a good favorite type coach in this situation. I think this is a straight up Minus two and a half to pick them type game. I'll grab three in the hook for Purdue for two stars. And so then I got a call from him saying, we don't have to worry about money no more. And I said, that's good. One less thing. All right, my friends, that is our college football play. We're going to have more later this week coming into a huge week one. Now let's bring in D-Nasty to talk some fantasy football. All right, welcome back, and the Nasty is joining us to talk some fantasy football running back share, and I want to remind you guys to check out footballcontest.com to get signed up here for the Circa Millions. Hung out with a lot of great players last year that placed in the Circa. Also hung out with the winner, Tony. Fantastic guy. Make sure you guys check out footballcontest.com. Sign up for the Circa Millions. Dave, how you doing, my man? Good. Running backs are my favorite position, so I'm ready to do this. Ah, me too. Of course, you know the bell, the bell cows of fantasy, especially before PPR came. But exactly, they're still pretty important for PPR. So this is what we're going to do. We don't want to keep you guys on too long. We'll go division by division. I'll do four in the NFC North, and we'll go to Dave NFC South, kind of like that. And we'll either agree or disagree when we're done. Is that fair? That sounds great. All right, let's do it. Starting with the Green Bay Packers, and you're you're going to know more than me, but I'm going to take a guess here just from the research I think I did. I think Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are left roughly 50-50. I think it's going to be like 45-45, but I think A.J. Dillon is going to get more of the uh, goal line carries, and Aaron Jones is going to get more passes. So if you're in a PPR league, I would lean Jones. If you're not in a PPR league, I lean Dillon. And if you're a half, I think they're kind of equal. Dave, what do you think? <clears throat> hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, that's definitely going to be a 50-50 share. Jones might get a little bit more time, but it's going to be pretty close. All right, fair enough. Then Minnesota Vikings, nothing changed. Delvin Cook, 75%. Alexander Madison, 20%. The rest, five. The Chicago Bears, David Montgomery. I have him at 65% and Khalil Herbert with uh, 30%. I think Herbert's going to actually get more carries than people think. Remember, there's no uh, Tariq Cohen anymore, so I find that pretty interesting. Uh, DeAndre Swift for the Lions, 65%, and Jamal Williams, probably about 30% in the rest five. Is that right? Yeah, I agree with that, too, yeah, as well. 
Uh, and then the Bears, too, like you said, I think with the new coaching staff, they're definitely going to try and get Kill Herbert the ball a little bit more there this, this year, too. He's a little bit banged up from a couple of preseason games, but uh, I do agree with that share as well. All right. Well, why don't you start with the NFC South or just give us all four and uh, I'll let you know what I have. Sounds good. Well, the Falcons, actually, that's a tough one, actually. Cordell Patterson, I'd say he's about 60%. Uh, and then the rest of them, they're they're all split up kind of with that other, rest of that 40%. Ty Algier they got there, uh, Kadri Allison, and they got a couple other guys there too. So that's kind of a d- tough backfield to judge right now. But I think Cordell Patterson is definitely the leader there. Uh, Panthers, that's that one's going to be 80%. You get one with CMC. He's going to get 80% of that stuff, carries and catches there. Uh, and then they, pretty much a toss-up between a Hubbard uh, and then the other running back they have there as well. So that's, that's going to be a toss-up there. But I think Hubbard gets the backup job there. So I think he's going to get most of those other carries. Uh, they did sign Foreman, though, too, as well. So he'll, he'll get some of the carries, too. But I think Hubbard's going to win that second backup job. So he'll get a majority of that 20%. So I'd say 10%, probably 10 to 15 for Hubbard for there. Uh, Saints. Uh, that's another uh, interesting backfield as well. So you got to remember, Kamara still has those legal issues, but I say 80% for Kamara, and then I'm going to say another 20%. It's going to be split up between Ingram and, and Jones, actually, their other young running back. But Jones, they said, was on the on the cusp of being cut. So it's really hard to say there. But So I think Ingram is probably going to get more of that 20% share uh, than, than you think. So uh, definitely Kamara is the guy to own there, though, with all his PPR. In the past couple years, he's been a PPR stud as well. So him and CMC. So definitely those guys are going to be the studs in both those backfields. Buccaneers, this is a very interesting backfield. Leonard Fournette, uh, I would say 75%. Uh, and then I'm going to say about 20% for Rashad White. I think he's going to be the surprise coming out of camp, the rookie surprise. Uh, he was a great receiving back coming out of college. Uh, and I think Rashad Vaughn was fighting with him for that backup job, but I think he's going to be the other 5% to 10% possibly. Interesting. So uh, what I will say is Alvin Kamara, the, it's so weird that his trial is October 1st. And I guess the whole fact is I would think his side might try to push it unless unless maybe it will affect his contract coming into another team. That's another just a weird situation. Um, I mean, I would think the Saints would want to keep him just because of how awesome he was. But Mark Ingram's a – must handcuff, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, he he's getting he's a average draft pick is at one seventy five right now in Yahoo leagues, and I thought that he's was a little long in the tooth though. Too Ingram's not not no young buck anymore either. You got to you got to remember he's not a good receiver of the backfield either. No, he's never been. Yeah, but um, and that's why he's only going in the fourteenth round here on many you know many drafts. Number one seventy five there. So I figure that's. Uh, a little too low, but here's the thing: if I'm if I'm drafting uh, Alvin Kamara, and he's he's really some good value right now because Alvin Kamara, I believe, is going in the uh, I have seventeenth here, seventeen point seven average draft pick. He's uh, be- quite a few of my drafts actually. He's been in the second or third round actually, so he's been a steal in a lot of drafts right now. So he's going in the second round a lot of them, even the late second, even in some. Yeah, as long as you handcuff him, I think it's fine. And uh, you, of course, you might miss the midseason. I don't think you'd miss playoffs. Uh, October first is only you know what three weeks into it. So if he's suspended six games, you get him at the tenth back. You know, so it's very possible. And you know what? Sometimes it's better in situations because they're healthy for the playoffs. You know, they're not worried about that yeah, midseason injury it takes them out. So totally agree. Cradle Paris and I got fifty percent, but I don't know how much Damian Williams is going to get. And Leonard Fournette, I, I agree with you at seventy five percent. I think CMC might be a little lower though. They've kind of been running him into the ground, Dave. I don't know what their plan is, but um. 
It's just uh, if you're going to give keep giving him eight percent, he's going to get a lot more injuries. Let's move on to the NFC West. I have the Rams. Cam Akers, sixty five percent. Daryl Henderson, thirty percent. The rest five percent. Arizona Cardinals. James Conner, seventy five percent. Daryl Williams, fifty uh, percent. And I have you know, Eno Benjamin probably cleaning up the ten percent. San Francisco 49ers, usually a running back mess, but Elijah Mitchell, 60%, Jeff Wilson, 30%, Elijah Price, Dave, uh, Davis Price, 5%. Sermon looks like a bust. He might get cut, so keep that in mind. <laughs> um, and then here's another messy situation because the team sucks. Rashad Penny over at uh, Seattle will get 50%, Kenneth Walker, 45%, but I think Walker's the guy to own. I would not own Penny in this situation. Walker might have a, a serious injury now. That Pete Carroll coming out of camp just yesterday actually was saying that he might be back later in the season now, so uh, I would actually take that with a grain of salt, so Rashad Penny, I, I might move, uh, move up the charts even more. I have been looking at him in a couple of my drafts now so Kenneth Walker might have a more serious injury that they're letting on so yeah I wish uh, that I but, wish they would uh, get more information on that there's like I'm mean, looking at articles right now it just says what's should I draft him how high blah 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 it, it's just nobody knows what's going on with him he's not in the pub list yeah. yet so no yeah and they said he's not gonna be ready for, for week one either right now so who knows when he's gonna be back so I'd move that percentage even down a little bit more and then put up Travis Hant Travis Homer and DJ Dallas as uh, two backs there as well because they're going to get some carries. And Rashard Penny is very injury prone too as well. So uh, I, I wouldn't put all my trust into Rashard Penny. Right I'm now. probably staying away from Seattle. Let's move on, Dave. Why don't you do the NFC East? Sounds good. Uh, Cowboys are first on my list. Uh, Zeke's been a stud always in the past, but I'm moving him down to 60%. And then Tony Pollard, I'm putting him at 40. Uh, they, they're putting Pollard in the wide out sets now and they're making him and put him in the slot. So, uh, they're going to get him on quite a few touches. Zeke still might be in the game with him at the same time, but I, I like Pollard, though. I think he's eventually going to overtake Zeke sometime this year, maybe even next year. So I, I also we'll heard they're more, doing more two-back stuff, Dave. So they're yeah, going to be in both. Actually. You know, Maybe it's like both 55% you know, because of that. Uh, uh, the fact that their receivers are so decimated, they want more backs back there. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah, so that's definitely. I agree with that. I'd agree with 55% as well. I had 60-40, so yeah, I'm at 55%. Each would sound pretty good to me too. So, or forty-five, fifty-five. I meant. Well, uh, well, it'd be over that if they're in two back sets because they're both in. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Giant Saquon, he's gonna get majority of the carries here this year. Uh, Saquon, I'm gonna put at eighty percent. Uh, they really don't have a capable backup that I really like there. So I say the other the backup running backs there I give the other twenty percent. Saquon, I'm hoping he bounces back just for because I liked him back when he was a rookie. Uh, hopefully he's injury free this season. Fingers crossed. I don't have many in my leagues though, but. Uh, good luck to him staying healthy this year. So whoever the handcuff is, though, you definitely want to get him in leads because he has been injury prone over the last couple of years. I don't think he's played a full season since his rookie year. Uh, Eagles, this is an interesting one. Kenneth Gainwell has been shooting up charts, and he's a big sleeper in a lot of leagues. Uh, Miles Sanders is going to be 60 to 65% uh, ownership share there. He's going to eat for the carries. And then actually Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott, uh, they're going to be splitting the rest of those two carries, but I think Boston Scott's going to be the guy to own behind Miles Sanders. But Kevin Campbell has been actually looking what pretty good in camp. They said, and then he's kind of moving up the chart. He might even be second in line now too. So that's a tough one to read now as well. Commanders, this is just a sad story. Uh, Brian Robinson recently got shot yesterday. Uh, two gunshots, multiple gunshots to the lower body. Uh, one in the glute, uh, the butt. And then another one and then one of his legs. So it's hard to say when he's going to be back this year. They're saying hopefully he can come back this year. Non-life-threatening injuries. So uh, Antonio Gibson's moving on up now. 
Uh, I'm saying 75% for Antonio Gibson now that Brian Robinson is out because he they denounced him as a starter the same day he got shot. So tough break for him. Uh, thoughts go out to him. Uh, but then J.D. Miskic, he's going to definitely move up now too because of that. And he'll, he'll get the other 25%. Yeah, right now I had to move him down too, and that sucks for him. What a tough uh, place to live, D.C., getting shot and robbed and stuff. How fun is that? Um, you'd think exactly. that place was uh, more protected, but apparently not. Um Antonio Gibson, 55% I have as well. And, uh, yeah, I agree with all you said there. And we can move on to the next one. Uh, NFC or AFC East, let's go with. And the Buffalo Bills, you might disagree with me, but I have Devin Single, Terry, 50%, James Cook, 40%, and Moss and the others, 10%, my man. I I definitely disagree on you, with you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I had Devin Singletary this year. Uh, I got him at, at least 75% for Devin Singletary. All right. And Cook still is not, they're still not high in Cook in camp. They, they like him for receiving maybe a third down back, but Zach Moss has actually looked good in camp. So he's actually, I'd say he'd give him at least 20% for that running back share. Uh, they sat him this past preseason game, too, with the starters. So that tells you something right there. So. Uh, I, I'm going to call you on the Bills one, actually. I think he's banged up and uh, had enough preseason work, but um, we'll see. That, <laughs> we'll see. that you know, I, I, I hate to say this, but the Bills, you don't draft running backs there anyway. It's no, not, you don't. Just like it, in New England. It, yeah. You never draft Patriots. Actually, I'm, I'm just going to say this whole division sucks for running backs. Try yes. to avoid it as much as possible. Damien Harrison, 50%, but Stevenson might beat him out. I think Stevenson's the one to own. And uh, I, I am starting at 35%, but I think he overtakes Damien Harris, and the others are 15%. Still Belichick, though, so you know that's how he yeah is, i'm gonna man. say 50 50 with harrison stevenson they're liking stevenson he's gonna get some more receiving stuff with james white out so that's like you said that's that's a toss up man i'd say 50 50 almost okay I, I i won't disagree with that um miami dolphins chase edmonds is kind of 50 raheem mostert 40 and miles gaskin kind of hate them all um mostert's just injury prone constantly like you saw in the niners chase edmonds hasn't exactly been uh, good since his first year at the cardinals there he's been bad injured to miles gaskin we thought was the bell cow there but apparently not it's just another ugly situation and the jets are weird you know they're they're beating up their offensive line their quarterback is kind of suspect they draft Brees hall when i thought michael carter was completely fine you know it just it blows my mind i I don't know i don't i don't want to own a running back but i guess Brees hall would be the one to own at 45 percent of the carries michael carter 35 and the rest i have at around uh 20%. 20%. So that's kind of how I break it out, Dave. Yeah, just I'd say 50-50 for them, too. Carter and Brees Hall, they're going to get a majority of those carries. And then the Dol- Dolphins, actually, this is an interesting stat, actually. They were one of the highest-scoring teams in the preseason, uh, and they're they're supposed to be one of the higher-scoring offenses, too, this year in the preseason. So uh, very interesting, though, with the running backs, though. I know your boy is monster from the last couple of years. I called you on that last year. <laughs> we don't have to get into your failures, Dave. Um, like uh, Edward Solaire over here coming up in the next division. But uh, I do own Tua in the Dynasty League, and it's time for him to show up. So I hope you're right about that. I've been waiting for a couple years here. And, uh, I, I mean, I'm not as high in the Dolphins as everybody else is, but I'm hoping uh, everyone, everyone's saying is right. Let's move on to the AFC West. And why don't you go ahead and run through this one? Sounds good. Uh, well, Javante Williams, I do love him a lot for the Broncos. I'm, I'm, I'm going to shoot him up to 70%. Uh, we can't f- forget about our boy, though, Melvin Gordon. I say about 30% for him. Uh, but I think Javante takes over that running back role. I think they're going to give him a little bit more carries this year. Chiefs is an interesting backfield as well. 
Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, that's the guy I've always been rooting for the last couple of years since he's been a rookie two years ago. Uh, he's just never come through, though. He's never really fulfilled it. He's been injury-prone, too, a little bit. Uh, he's still going to be at least 55 to 60%, I think, in that backfield. Uh, and then after him, it's kind of a toss-up. There's a rookie there, Isaiah Pachiro. Uh, he's going to get some of those carries. I think I'd say about 15 to 20% for him. Uh, and then it's a toss-up after that, actually, really. There's there's a couple other running backs there, but I don't know who else gets the running back share there. So that's a, it's an interesting backfield as well. Uh, but they're going to throw the ball, though, so Edwards Hilaire will get some catches there, too. Uh, Raiders backfield. Kenyon Drake supposedly going to be cut. He hasn't been cut yet, but they're supposedly going to cut him. Uh, Josh Jacobs, I think he gets 60 to 65%. Uh, Zamir White, the rookie, actually, uh, they really like him there. And Amir Abdullah, uh, I don't know how many teams he's been on now, I think three or four. Uh, but he always keeps popping up, and he's going to be their third down back, possibly take over that receiving role there. So he's going to be an interesting guy there too. But So I think it's going to be Zamir White and Amir Abdullah. I think Amir Abdullah gets more of the catches, and maybe Zamir White is more of a backup on early downs. So uh, that's going to be a tough backfield to judge, though, as well. Uh, Chargers, uh, I like Eckler here, the majority of the carries here. I'd say 75% of him. He's going to be on the field with for all the receiving downs as well. He's going to do a lot of catches in the PPR leagues. So definitely the guy to own there. Uh, it's a toss-up kind of after that. Isaiah Spiller was the guy that was supposed to take over the second second role there, but it sounds like Joshua Kelly won the job in camp, even though he didn't really do much in the preseason. So uh, I'm saying he's going to get more, probably the majority of that 25%, uh, maybe 15 to 20% of that. And Isaiah Spiller, I think, will come on later on in the year. Yeah, it's hard to handcuff Eckler because of that. And I have Eckler at 80%. He was so used hard last year. Amazing PPR, as everyone knows. Um, I have Melvin Gordon up to 40% just because they they haven't paid. And when you pay that one, someone that much money, you let them take a beating sometimes because if, especially if the other guys might be a little bit better, you know, you have a reason to try to run them down a little bit. You know, it's like this, he's making that money. Uh, go carry the ball unless he starts fumbling or something. But yeah. uh, I think it's 55, 40, uh, Edwards, Alaire, I got 60, but I got Pacheco. He beat out Ronald Jones and Jarek McKinnon. It's going to be Pacheco there second, and he's at least 35%, I think. And I wouldn't trust Hilaire. I just don't like him that much this uh, year. And, uh, it's, uh, even, too, they ran, they ran Ronald Jones a lot in the last preseason game, too, so it's really hard to judge that, actually, because Jones might be, be up there more than we think, actually, too. Well, he's paid more. And uh, that's what exactly. that's that's exactly. the problem with him. So they might just dump him, and that's what happens to running backs. They're just not appreciated, even though as fantasy people appreciate him, Dave. Teams don't, my man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the AFC North. Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Mixon, massive bell cow last year, huge fantasy year, seventy percent. I have him at, and Evans at ten percent. And P Ryan, there's something I heard about him recently. I was trying to remember. I have him at twenty percent still. But I thought that's he might have gotten banged up or something. Maybe you can confirm that. Najee Harris was a touchdown bell cow, second in goal line runs, just to Jonathan Taylor, seventy five percent him. Benny Snell twenty, others five percent. Nick Chubb. Uh, Pittsburgh actually started to interrupt, but Pittsburgh. They just said last night. I was reading reports that they're saying Najee Harris had a lift strap injury to his foot now, and that's why he hasn't played the whole preseason. So definitely keep an eye on that. They haven't really said anything else about it lately, but. He should hopefully be ready for week one, but they're saying that those those kind of injuries actually can loom quite a long time. They said four to six weeks for him to heal up from that, but I guess he injured it the first week of camp. Yeah, someone just went out for the year with a Liz Frank uh, injury uh, in football. I'm trying to remember who it was. It might have been um, a quarterback. What Was it uh, Wilson, Zach Wilson? No, no, it was someone else. 
No, it wasn't uh, Zach. Uh, oh, you, wait. I can't try. Was it college? Or was it someone on... Um, Oh, Tyrod Taylor got banged up. That wasn't that. No, it'll come back to me. I'll I'll revisit that. Let's um, move on here. Then Chubb, I have sixty five percent obvious reasons at the Cleveland, but I think Kareem Hump gets a little bit more. But I think they're trying to trade Kareem Hump too. So I don't know about Kareem Hunt. You know, I'm sure if someone will trade for him, they're probably going to want to play him a lot. But I don't know if it's, if it's a team like Kansas City, you can be in running back hell. You know, you just don't know what's going to happen. Well, Kansas City had him before. I don't know, maybe they burned that bridge. I don't know. But he also knows the playbook. So who knows what's going to happen with him. Yeah, yeah, they have a good backup, Jonas Johnson, too. So they did trade, and they have a capable backup, too, already. Yeah, I have him at 15, 15%. And here's another bad running back team. Uh, Baltimore Ravens. Gus Edwards obviously just went out for at least four weeks. I think it could be longer. Um, J.K. Dobbins at 60%. Mike Davis at 25%. And Justice Hill back on the freaking radar again. At 15%, Dave. Don't forget about Tyler Batty, their rookie, too, actually. They're saying that he's going to be in the mix, too, with Justin Justice Hill as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's very possible. Why don't you finish this off with the AFC South? Nice. Uh, so the Texans, that, this is a bad situation here. So Damian Pierce and Marlon, return of the Mac, your boy. You're <laughs> monster to this year, I think. But uh, anyways, uh, I got Pierce and Mac at about 50% each. So uh, it's really hard to say who's going to win that backfield. But I think Pierce eventually moves up that running back share as the year goes on to 60-40 possibly. Uh, but at, right now I got him at 50-50. JT, our boy, 80% for him for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Naeem Himes, I'd say he's he's got probably the rest of the twenty percent pretty much locked up. So uh, that's a pretty pretty locked up backfield. That that one pretty much plug those guys in. You don't have to worry about it, especially JT uh, Jaguars. This is an interesting one too, actually. James Robinson coming off the ACL injury. Uh, so it's tough to see see when he's going to be back. Uh, and then Travis Etwine, uh, he's he's a rookie now. He's healthy. And he's been looking good in camp. I'd say uh, probably 60-40. Etwine, I think 60. Robinson, 40. Uh, that could change throughout the year, though, once Robinson gets fully healthy. So uh, that's, a, that's a running back situation to monitor as well. Uh, and then we've got the Titans, Derrick Henry, 80%. He's just a stud. He's a man. He's the man beast. Uh, and then all the guys behind him, they're saying that the uh, rookie uh, – I think Blinken, him, Hoskins is going to actually be the probably the backup now. Is what they're saying. So uh, I'd say I give him the rest of the twenty percent. There's a there's another running back there too that might get a little bit few carries too as well. Uh, but I think I think Hilliard will get a few carries too. But other than that, I think backfield's going to be dominated by Henry. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I agree with all that. You know, I was looking and I, the Liz Frank injury was Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga that plays basketball. That's who yeah, it was. And he's yes. out for the whole year, which is weird. It's just, I guess some Liz Frank injuries are really bad. Like he probably really torn something or, or broke a bone. Yeah, there's different, there's different levels of them, I think. Yeah, and, f- and the feet have so many bones. I have no idea personally <laughs> what it is. I know it's serious and I've seen it happen in football or in many sports many times. And, um, that worries me. That's really concerning um, for that Liz Frank injury. Well, hopefully Najee Harris is okay, but I tell you, man, I, that's really going to give me pause to draft him, Dave. I know. I just drafted him last night in our league, so I'm a little bummed about that now, but I'm hopeful, hopeful that he's right and he comes back week one. I have Travis Etienne at 50% and Robinson at 40 That's a really weird situation, too. You know? 
No, I agree. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one to judge, especially depending him coming off the injury too. So yeah, I think but I really do like Etwine. So I, I like him actually a little bit more. Yeah, he's a good pass catcher. He always was in Clemson, that's and good. of course he has that rapport with Trevor Lawrence and stuff. So um, I mean that should be big. But yeah, I, I have uh, Hassan Haskins and Hilliard splitting the others with Derrick Henry. But Derrick Henry, um, definitely the bell cow over there, especially non PPR leagues. He's probably one or two, probably number two. In non PPR, I would say I'd, I'd still give it out to our boy JT from Wisconsin. Oh yeah, for All sure. Right. All right, my man. Was there anything else that we need to cover before next week? No, I think that's it. All right, wonderful, Dave. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate appre- it. Yeah, I appreciate it too. I appreciate all your fantasy advice. There's going to be a lot of drafts this week, my friends. So you know, make sure you get it together, Dave and I. If your draft is after next Tuesday, we're going to do a Tuesday. Uh, it's Monday night slash Tuesday morning, a uh, little little draft, and it's not going to be uh, past four rounds because we don't want to bore the hell out of you. We're going to give you kind of our four, and then any sleepers that should uh, be undervalued or o- overvalued, we'll talk about some busts and stuff like that. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Odds Breakers. Please let us know any questions or any games you'd like broken down for the next show. Our shows are two days a week now coming up on Tuesday mornings, Thursday mornings, and obviously we do better at sports betting with Kyle on Fridays. Everyone enjoy the rest of your week and go get some winners.